I hope some people have been praying for uh, Pastor Larry this week. I got, uh, I know some people have, and I thank everyone who has been, because I had never thought that on February 23rd, 2020, I would be talking about and preaching on understanding the gift of tongues at New Life Church. This, this was not on my bucket list, y'all. Yeah, I, it wasn't. I never thought we'd be here, but here we are by the providence of our good God. Let, let's get right into this message. Let, let me just make one statement here. The statement is this. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Where in the world does that come from? Well, it doesn't come from a modern televangelist. That's not where it comes from. It doesn't come from a person who's caught up in an unhealthy curiosity about supernatural things but has no grounding in the Word of God. It doesn't come from an overzealous young Christian who's about experiencing but doesn't care about learning. It doesn't come from any of those folks. Some of you know where it comes from. It comes from the Apostle Paul. I thank God, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, that I speak in tongues more than any of you. That's the Apostle Paul. That's the guy who wrote almost half of the books of the New Testament, 13 out of 27 books. Paul wrote them. He's the one who on the road to Damascus got knocked off of his horse and had a vision of Jesus and had his life radically changed. He is the one who wrote one of the most amazing treatises of Christian doctrine that you could ever imagine in the book of Romans, a man of great intelligence, a man of great wisdom, a man of great learning, and a man who at the same time says, I thank God that he's given me this gift to speak in a tongue that I can't even necessarily understand. This same man who, who did all these things, that is the apostle. So let's stand together uh, this morning. And we want to read together. We're going to look through a lot of this chapter of 1 Corinthians 14. But we want to first read together the first five verses of this chapter. So just jump in and let's read with some gusto. Amen? Amen. Let, let's go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is perfect. And Lord God, I pray that you'll use this little bit of time we have here to clarify this uh, sometimes confusing subject, this gift, 
of your spirit on tongues. So, Lord, be with us, speak to us, lead us and guide us by your glorious good presence, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I've been a Christian. Uh, I came to Christ at 18 years of age in 1980. Um, I've been in church that whole time, running after God, and I have never heard uh, a, a sermon uh, teaching through uh, the biblical gift of, of tongues in all those years. I don't know if I'm alone in that. Some of you may have heard sermons on that. I have not. So uh, here we go, y'all. Pray for your pastor. Amen. Uh the gift of tongues, it, it's, it's very interesting that um, we first see tongues show up in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost at the birthday of the Christian church. And it's interesting what happens there that happens nowhere else in Scripture with tongues is that you have Jews who were spread all over the known world who were at Jerusalem at that time, on that day. And they were there to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost. So they came together from all these nations. But if you look at the nations there in Acts chapter 2, and you go back in the Bible to Genesis chapter 11, at the Tower of Babel, when God separates people, and when they are doing an evil thing and building a wicked idol, and God gives them different tongues so they can't understand one another, and he sends them out to different parts of the world, you see those same parts of the world recognized in Acts chapter 2. So when God gives this gift, it is a gift to bring together the church of Jesus Christ. And to me, that's madly ironic that in our day, this is a gift that so often divides the church. It should not be, not if we understand what the Bible has to say about this. Let me just say one more thing before we jump into the teaching on this. As we talk about this subject, we should realize that we are on holy ground. Tongues is not a joke. Tongues is, is not something to just not deal with. It's in the Word of God. And my desire and goal is not to just have an academic discussion, but to say, God, what does your word have to teach us on this subject? And if we understand that teaching, and if we are committed as a people to walk out what the scripture says, then God will be glorified, his people will be edified, and the devil will be horrified. Amen? Amen. That's what we want to see at New Life Church. So let's, let's go into this defining the gift of tongues. There's three main things we're going to do today. We're going to define it. We're going to talk about how tongues are used in public service, and then we'll talk about how they're used privately. As we go through this, I also want to share with you some testimonies of brothers and sisters at New Life who have had an experience of this gift and their words on it. I will quote people directly. Amen? So we'll look at this. First of all, defining the gift of tongues. It's a spiritual gift. Let's look at this definition. The gift of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop there for a second. In other words, it is one of the many gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's other miraculous gifts like 
miracles and prophecy. There's other gifts like helps, like administration, like teaching that are more normal types of things, but they're also gifts of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is one gift. It's not the gift. And it's not a gift that sets an exclusive uh, group of people apart as the spiritual ones. Amen? It's one gift of the Holy Spirit given to some Christians. At the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30, he sa- Paul says at one point, do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret tongues? It is a rhetorical question where the answer is no. Not all people speak in tongues. Not all Christians speak in tongues. Not all Christians that earnestly desire the Spirit. As a matter of fact, now there are some who would say, if you have tongues, then you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Problem is, the Bible doesn't say that. If you love Jesus Christ and have given your life to Him and He's changing your life, you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Romans 12, Romans 8, 9, look that up if you want to, tells you that if you don't have the Spirit, then you're not even of Christ. So all Christians have been given the Holy Spirit who converts us and makes us new creations. Amen. It is a gift that enables them to speak in a language that they do not know or understand. So it, it, it enables a person to speak in a language they don't know, they don't understand. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, I'm nothing but a noisy gong, a tinkling cymbal. In fact, this week in, in our uh, community group, uh, one person who's on this front row and who plays guitar, I'm not going to name names, um, but he mentioned that every list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And I said, I believe, but I'm going to check them out too. I went to all those lists in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts, and in every one of them, they emphasize love. Don't care how gifted you are, how much stuff you can do. If you don't have love, God says, it's noise in my ears. I don't want to hear it. And so this is a gift that we we may not know or understand the language. Is the language an earthly language? Is it a heavenly language? I don't know. It's a language that God gives. So let me go into this real quick. Hit the next part here because I want to look at the first testimony here. A person says speaking in tongues is like having an extra booster pack in my prayer life. Who wants a booster pack? Often when I do... Uh, Often when I do not know what to pray or even where to start, speaking in tongues utters the words I can't put together. This is one person's experience in their own life that it is a a way of thrusting me forward when I may be even stuck sometimes. There's another testimony. Hit the next one as well. This person says, like the fire that sat upon the apostles' heads in the book of Acts, I have often felt the heat of intense certainty and faith in praying in tongues. They say, it often brings such a nearness of his Holy Spirit that I feel a heightened sensitivity to what I watch on TV or what I say with my mouth. There's an inward conviction that I cannot say heavenly things 
in the ears of the Holy One standing in his presence and then use the same vessel to watch and say the profane. Amen? So, so this person experienced this uh, not just as a language that they don't know, but something that draws them closer to God and, and they feel drawn to the holiness of God, convicted about what they would say or do that's not in line with that holy God. Amen? So this is what we'll share a few more as we go through today. Um, I may share a little bit about my own experience as well. But some of you may be thinking, okay, that's great. uh, But what's the Bible have to say about it? That is the question. What does the Bible have to say? Because this is not about any person's or group of people's experience ultimately. In other religions, did you know that in some other religious movements, they speak in tongues? And we can be psychologically manipulated to do a whole lot of things. So my question, as well as we talk about experience, is what is the Bible teaching? And that's what we're going to get into today. What does the Bible have to say about this? Um, Here's one basic thing that we should understand when we look at this gift. You can hit the next slide. Is that... God gives tongues as a mechanism for us to know him on a level other than just our intellectual reasoning level. Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 and 15. For if I pray, he says, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but look what he says, but my mind is unfruitful. Same man who's about to say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Verse 15, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Paul here is saying an interesting thing. He is saying that there is something that happens as I am speaking in tongues, exercising this gift God has given me that draws me close to God, but it's past my understanding. It's not logic. It's not reason. It's something else that's going on. So what does he say? He says, I'm going to do that, but I'm not only going to do that. Amen? He says, I'm going to pray with the Spirit. I'm also going to pray with understanding. This is not an either-or thing that Paul is talking about. He's saying, we need both of these things at work in our Christian lives. You can hit the next slide real quick. Here's what I want you to understand. If your understanding of God is so systematic and intellectual that it leaves little room for mystery, for wonder, and for constant new discovery of our great God, then your conception of God is way too small. And it's not in line with the Bible. Listen, if anyone loves systematic theology, I love it. I I love teaching it uh, and and writing on it. And I I love uh, what we're doing in Africa with our our, 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 our seminary, it's not really a seminary, but a pastoral training institute there. I love what we're doing in helping to teach systematic theology so that people can understand and get a hold of the Word of God and understand it. But our problem in that can become that once we've systematized everything, we think we've got God in our box and He ain't in nobody's box. 
Again, my wife was an English major, so I apologize. But, but God will not be in your box. He just won't be. He's wonderful. I remember in, in Isaiah chapter 6, as uh, Isaiah has this wonderful vision of God in the heavenlies, and he sees the creatures crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What's going on there? And one person said that they believe what's going on there is that, and they're doing this over and over and over and over again. What is happening as they gaze upon the beauty of the great and mighty God? They see just another aspect. They see another element. They see another way of seeing and understanding their God. And all they can say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He's greater than we can imagine or hope for. That's the beauty and wonder of God. Don't allow our great understanding to to, uh, water down the wonder and the beauty and the massiveness of our God. Amen. So let's go into, first, the public use of tongues here. Now, you need to understand that much of what's going on in 1 Corinthians 14, is that Paul is correcting the church. He's correcting them because they've made the gift of tongues out to be more than it should be. They have come to a place where when they come together, everyone wants to speak in tongues. And everyone wants to show off their spirituality. Check this out. I'm not going to do it. Everyone is coming together to, uh, younger people might say, to floss just how fly they are in the Lord. Wow, I've got this language. I've got that language. Look what I can do. Look how I can speak. Look how spiritual I am. And Paul is shutting that down in 1 Corinthians 14. He's shutting it down. Look what he says in verse 2. If anyone speaks with a tongue, but does... Anyone who speaks, no, back where you were, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Verse 4, he says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Look at verse 19. He says, but the church, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. What he's saying is, that spiritual gifts are to be used in a public setting to bless and edify and build up the whole church. They don't come so that you can show off just how much Holy Ghost you've got. Because the person that's got the Holy Ghost and the gift of helps, the person who has the gift uh, of encouragement has as much Holy Ghost as the person who has the gift of tongues. Amen? So that's what he's showing. Look at the principle here. You can hit the next one. When spiritual gifts are used in a public setting, it is for the building up of the church and for the glory of God. They're never to be used to glorify people or to set up some people as inherently more spiritual than others. Here's another way I can say this. Tongues used in an immature way can do more harm than good. 
You're exercising a spiritual gift, and it's bringing harm to the church. That's what was going on at Corinth. How can that be? Let me ask you this. Have people with spiritual gifts of teaching and leadership ever done anything harmful to the church? I'm going to tell you they have, if you don't don't know that. And it doesn't mean they don't have a gift, right? They can have a gift, a gift that comes from God, but gifts not used in line and coordination with the Spirit of God and gifts that are not subject to the maturity of the body of Christ can be out of whack and bring more harm than good. Let's look at a critical passage here. Go to the next slide. Verses 20 through 25 here. Now, I'll I'll kind of walk you through this because this is a passage that uh, some folks have said shows that tongues are not to be used anymore in worship services because they are a sign of judgment. And they're partially right. But let's look at the text. The text says, Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking be adults. So Paul is coming on strong here right now. And from the beginning he said, Stop being like a little infant. Y'all need to grow up as he's talking to them about how this gift is to be used. He says, grow up, y'all. In the law, it is written, and it's interesting that he says the law, because this comes from Isaiah. Usually the law refers to the books of Moses, but sometimes it can refer to the whole Old Testament. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, which says, with other tongues... And through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Then he says in verse 22, Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. What is he saying there? He says tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. The question is, what? kind of sign is he talking about? You can flip it to the next one. What kind of sign is he talking about? What happened uh, from Isaiah's prophecy, which was in the 8th century BC, he is warning God's people who are not believing and not following the Lord. He is warning them that if they don't turn to God, what's going to happen is that they will be invaded. This Invasion happens in the year 722 when the Assyrians come in and they take many of the people of Israel away into a foreign land. And the Assyrians come speaking another language, Akkadian. Now it's a language that has a a Semitic origin like Hebrew, but it's a language that comes in and they can't understand this language. What he's saying is for those who will not believe, for those who will stubbornly refuse to to yield themselves to the Lord, you will hear this other language and be taken away into another land. He says that this gift, uh, that, that tongues, other tongues, don't do anything necessarily for unbelievers to bring them to Christ. They're a sign of judgment. 
what he says. If an unbeliever, verse 24, uh, or an inquirer comes in while everyone's prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. It is a sign that God is among them. But in verse 23, when the inquirers and unbelievers come in, they will say, you are out of your mind. What's going on? So is it a sign to unbelievers? Yes. The scripture says it's a sign. But it's a sign of judgment. And in Paul's argument here, what he's saying is, so then it is not correct to use this in the coming together of people who know God and people who are unbelievers and people who are inquiring because they won't understand what's going on and it will drive them away. And that's exactly what we should not do as the New Testament church that has a gospel that says God loves you, Jesus died for you, and you have a place here if you will come to know him. What he is saying is that this way of using tongues, this improper way will drive people away. Don't do that. Grow up. Let's use this the way God designed it. That's what he's telling the church. So the coming together of the church should always point unbelievers in the midst of the gathering to Jesus Christ, to the good news of the gospel, and not to anything else. So we see some flaws here theologically. You can hit the next slide. Uh, with this argument that, and here, here's the basic argument that says because tongues are used primarily as a sign of judgment, they are no longer necessary in the gospel age. That's the basic idea. But here's some reasons why I think that's a flawed argument. Number one, the argument presupposes that the primary use of tongues is a sign of judgment. If you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you'll see that is an unsustainable argument. That may be one use, but it is not the primary use of this gift. Secondly, the argument is reductionistic. Let's say even if they were right, that that's one of the uses of tongues, or that's the primary use. There are other uses, and so you reduce it to that being the only one, and it's not the only one. Thirdly, the argument is contrary to the plain meaning of other verses right in this chapter. When we study Scripture, one of the things that helps us to understand it well is to compare Scripture with Scripture. We can do that throughout the whole text from Genesis to Revelation. But in a specific way, if you have one writer in one book or one chapter giving you information, you've got to look at all that is said there and not just pull out one verse that's contrary to what else is there. And that's what often is done in this argument. The last piece right here. Speaking in tongues should not be forbidden. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39 says, Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid it. Don't say we can't have this around here. Why would we say that? Why would we say that with some of these spiritual gifts that we're talking about? Because it can be a little scary. It can feel like God is doing stuff that... I don't have control of. Somebody say amen. Let, let me just challenge you on this. God came to many people in this room at one point, And he came in a powerful way. He invaded your life 
He invaded your heart. He invaded your mind. He invaded your emotions. And you just began to desire God more and more and more. And you didn't have control over that. That was the goodness of our sovereign God visiting you and drawing you to himself and and bringing you to a place where you will love and serve him. Amen. That's the work of God. And so as we look at these spiritual gifts, it's the same thing. God won't fit in our boxes. That's not his goal. He will not do that. Let me, boy, for the sake of time, let's move on to the next slide here. Um, Interpreting tongues. There is an exception to this rule that we shouldn't speak in tongues out loud in a service where God's people are gathered and others may be there. There is an exception to the rule. And that exception we see here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and following, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So there is an exception to the rule. If there is an interpretation of tongues, it acts very much like a prophetic word. We'll talk about prophetic words next week. But it works like that. But let's look at a few things we can see from that. Number one, number one, the person who speaks is in control of their speaking. You can see that in this verse because he says, do it in order. And he says, if there's no one there, uh, don't speak. And so in other words, we shouldn't think of the gift of tongues as some kind of ecstatic uh, speech that someone doesn't have any control over. You can stop. You can start if you have the gift. You can't start if you don't have the gift. Um, but some people can help you do that, but it's not. It's not a good idea. Um, you say hallelujah real fast over and over again. You'll be speaking in tongues before you know it. Um, that, that's, that's not the gift of tongues, y'all. That's not the gift of tongues. But, but this says it's under, there's a control on it. Look at number two. Number two, tongues, you can leave them all up there. Tongues should not be used in the church gatherings if there's not someone there who's able to interpret. How do you know that for sure? You might not know it for sure. There might be a mistake made. Has anyone ever made a mistake in their Christian life? (laughs) You don't even need to raise your hands. I know the answer to that question. No, 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 back, back, back. And then thirdly, when tongues are spoken in the service with an interpretation, it should be done in an orderly and controlled manner. It's not a free-for-all. This is not tongue day at New Life Church. It should be done in an orderly and controlled manner. Next week, we'll talk about judging words, prophetic words, which also would uh, 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 be like this. So we'll look at that next week. Let's let's move on. Um, let me give you another uh, testimony. Look at this one. This is someone that says, I speak in tongues. And these are all new life people, y'all. People looking around. Who that? Who that? I speak in tongues. I've given messages in tongues and have interpreted messages in tongues. In the last six to seven years, tongues has become part of my prayer and worship time. Tongues in prayer comes to me in times of fervent prayer or times when I'm simply at a loss as to what to pray next and I sense God's presence. In worship, 
tongues comes to me at times when I'm overwhelmed with God's presence and simply don't know what to say or when I'm in a place of wonder at the greatness of God and I do not have words in my vocabulary to express what I'm feeling. I am overwhelmed by God. God uses this gift for his glory. I want to go as quickly as I can through this last piece, the private use of tongues. The, the main use for tongues, you can put the whole slide up there, uh, those two, right, is for the edification or the building up of a person. That's the primary use that what you've seen in all these testimonies, that drawing someone closer to God, that sense of, of God coming to them in a way that may heighten them to be aware of areas where they meet, need to repent. That idea that God is with us. God is not only out there and great, but he is the imminent God who comes to his people in love and he meets me right there. So 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves. There's no place there that says that in itself is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Now some people would say, and look at Jude 20 as well, but you dear friends, by building up yourselves, no, go back, go back. But you dear friends, by building up yourselves in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He uses the word here in Jude 20, building yourselves up. It's the same word in 1 Corinthians 14, 40 that says edifies. This idea is that one way to be built up, one way to be edified is, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit here. That's one way. Now, that may not be the exclusive use of that terminology. In other words, uh, there's nothing in here that specifically says tongues and praying in the Holy Spirit, but often it, it, it is used that way, speaking, uh, uh, praying in the Spirit as speaking in tongues, but not exclusively. So this is something that everyone can do, can pray and can seek God and seek His Spirit. But what I want you to see here in these verses is some people would say this idea of edifying or building yourself up, that's not scriptural because uh, spiritual gifts are used to build up the whole body of Christ, not just to build yourself up. This is why I'm pointing out that this is the private use of tongues and that building yourself up is a good thing. I hope you understand that. How many people here are at church today? Just raise your hands. Okay. Most of you are here today. Some of you, not so sure. But you come to church to build yourself up, to grow in Christ, to know Him better. You read your Bible in order to edify yourself, to build yourself up. You listen to podcasts. You read good books. You have conversations with other believers to build yourself up, to grow. Brothers and sisters, we've got to know this, that building ourselves up in Christ is necessary in every way so that we can do good ministry in His name. You can just flip past the next one. Hit two slides real quick. Hit the next one. Self-edification is not selfish. It is being obedient to God. We need to build ourselves up in God. Amen? So, we have all of these things going on with, with speaking in tongues. I want to do one more testimony. This will be our last testimony and then just some last words on this subject. You can hit the next one. This is the last testimony. This is from a person 
who sought this gift for many, many years, who became a Christian and said, I, I, I see other people doing this. I, I want to do this. And, and this person, I'm trying not to even give he or she stuff on this. This is anonymous. But this person uh, talks about, and they, they talked about Romans 8, 26 and 27, that talks about that, that point of, of coming to God, and there's groanings that are too deep for words. And he knows our thoughts. Now, again, I want to say, with that scripture, that is not just about speaking in tongues because it is a general instruction. It is a general thing that Paul is saying that happens to believers. So it's not just that. But for those who have this gift, they can really feel that, that there is a groaning in my spirit. There, there is a heaviness, perhaps. Perhaps there is a burden that I have, and I don't know where to go with that. And God gives me this gift. This is what this person is saying. And they say, it's in those moments when I know that I'm truly praying 100% in the will of God. And because I know I'm aligned with God's will, it brings power of change and impact. You can see how God uses this gift in his church and among his people. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to close here, but the gift of tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given the church to glorify his name, the name of Jesus. Just like every other gift, it is a gift that comes from God to glorify his name. But let me be clear. I want you to hear this. There's nothing wrong with desiring or pursuing a gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Eagerly desire gifts. Now you can desire, it says, greater gifts, especially prophecy in 14. But if you desire a particular gift, whether it's tongues, whether it is encouragement, whether it's administration, leadership, teaching, whatever it is, you, we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let me also say this. If God doesn't give you this gift, said this a number of times, but I want you to get it. It doesn't make you less spiritual than anyone else who has the gift. Every spiritual gift is needed in God's church. Every one of them. So right now, especially because I'm your pastor, we def- we need people desperately with the gift of administration. Talked about that in Sunday school. I got a lot of ideas, y'all. <laughs> we got to get this thing together. But we need all kinds of gifts, gifts of help, gifts of faith, gifts of leadership, gifts of encouragement. All these gifts are needed. They're listed in the New Testament. My final word is this. If you desire this gift, I'd encourage you to talk to a mature believer who you know or you suspect may walk and may have this gift and begin to desire it in your own life. Pray. Tongues have been an incredible blessing in my life over the last almost 40 years now. I've gone through seasons where I've kind of let it go. I've gone through seasons where I've pressed in. But as I understand what the scripture has to say about this, whatever gift you have, brothers and sisters, don't neglect your gift. Press into it. Develop it. Use it for the glory of God and to build up yourself as one 
who will bring great glory to his name. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. And then we'll have, we'll worship together one last time to finish up. Father God, we thank you so much that every gift, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift that you bestow on us by your Spirit comes that Jesus might be glorified and that this world might know that you sent him and they might be drawn to him. Father God, I pray that there may be those among us today who desire this gift. I pray that you will help them to pursue and help them to find you in the midst of it all. And that, Lord, you would unleash every gift of every person in this body so that Christ will be glorified and magnified in our midst and that many who don't know you now would come to you. The praise and the glory of your name. Have your way, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.